This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Church, so good to see you today. We're so glad you're here. It's a nice place. We're so thankful for the Spats Theater, for the staff and team for allowing us to be here and helping us be here today. And uh, church, it's a great church. That's our new slogan, unofficial slogan. It's an amazing church if you can find us. If you can find Marco Polo, we're so glad you're here. So good to see your faces. I don't do this enough. I just, I don't see who's here. I just want to see who's here today. So good to see you. So where are the handsome, which one's the handsome section? What's the good looking section? I'm just not sure. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, where's the humble section? We're looking for that section now. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, okay. If you're sitting next to someone that's very good looking, raise your hand. Some of you husbands missed your chance right there. I'm here to help you. 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 Uh, we love you so much. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. And for our online church, um, we had some technical difficulties, so they are streaming this right now at 6 p.m. Um, I'm so glad you joined us, and um, we're so glad that you're here in person. And next week, again, we're online, so church wherever you are. If you have your Bible today, uh, can you turn to Mark chapter 16? If you don't have a Bible today, when you leave, there's free ones at our guest central wall. Just take it. Uh, we, have, um, we bought hundreds and hundreds of Bibles because we put an investment in, we know it changes lives. Uh, it's the hardest book I've ever read, but it's the most life-changing book I've ever read. And um, it's amazing how it puts me to sleep when I read it. Is that, should pastors say that? It's the truth. Because it, it, it's a fight, but if, we, it, but if you can push through, the, the reason why is there's opposition is because this book will change your life. Tom Clancy didn't change my life. Come where are my old school people? Judy Bloom did not change my life. Some of you don't even know who that is. Amazing. Come on, somebody knows. Somebody knows. Remember Blubber? Anyway, I don't even got time today talking about Judy Bloom. Dr. Zeus, he, he wrote it with his hat. You know, I, nothing rhymes with hat in my mind right now. But the Bible changes things, and uh, we want to give you a Bible. If you have a Bible, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, if you're there, say, hey. You're okay. I'm not even going to see if you're lying today. Mark chapter 16. I want to read verse 9. I've been thinking about all week uh, after Easter. After Easter. Because Easter is such a buildup, and as a church, it's been a buildup, and we haven't had a chance to celebrate Easter like we wanted to for a couple years. And Easter is it's just this, it's one of those Sundays. It's a Sunday, there's just something special. You can feel it. People are excited. I think even as people of faith, sometimes we get numb to our faith. Like, that's, that, that's just the way we are. Remember that car that you loved when you first bought it, and then after a few months, it's, it's not as shiny anymore? Something about us, we have a way we get used to things really quick. The person, come on guys, that, 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 that spouse of yours that you chased and, and, you, and, and, and you pursued and you couldn't wait to talk to when we had landline phones, landline, landline phones girls where these things used to attach to the wall. Remember, I got it, I got, hang on a second. I got it, hang up. Yeah, I, remember those days? No, you hang up, no, you hang up, no, you hang up. You didn't hang up either. And then after a couple of years, now it's, we, we answer it with grunts and not full sentences. And, and, and we have a way of taking things for granted. Easter is one of those Sundays where it, it confronts you with the goodness and the overwhelming grace and the help of the cross. And there's something in the air. And, but I've been thinking about what happened after Easter. Today, I want to just, I believe God wants to speak to us to the after Easter today. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning. The first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman 
for whom he had cast out seven demons. There's a whole bunch. I could talk about that right there. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping. Oh, gosh. If there's ever been a, I think, if there's ever been a verse that represented this last season, is it? It's a season of, it's biblical. It's grieving and weeping, you know? Anybody else is crying by themselves all the time? All right, just me. Thank you so much. Grieving and weeping. And they t and told them what had happened. And went to the disciples and says, he, he's risen. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Men. Verse 12. Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country on the road of Emmaus. Verse 13, they rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them either. Verse 14, still later he appeared to the 11 disciples who were eating together and he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Then in verse 15, he told them, go into all the world, even downtown, even to different venues. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Preach the good news to everyone. Today, I want to talk on this topic, carry on only. If you're writing notes, if you're that kind of church, uh, write that down somewhere. Carry on only. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for every face, every race that's in this place. We thank you, Father, for the people that made great efforts to be here. We, I want to thank you, Lord, for those that are new to church, that thought, what am I walking into? What is this? But, Father, thank you for their courage, and thank you for your goodness, and I pray they would just feel welcome today. And God, for us, I pray that you would shake off the numbness, you would shake off um, the hardness, and I pray even push through, maybe there's grieving and weeping, and I pray today we would feel your presence. Holy Spirit, would you in your realness and your power do only what you can do? Would you help this preacher, and would you help this church? We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said? I try not to be judgmental. That's a great opening line. <laughs> I really am working on being judgmental. I've realized um, the older I get, Nancy has helped me the most, but uh, I'm getting softer and more, more, more forgiving and more easygoing the older I get. Yet she has helped um, knock off some of the hard edges on my life. But I have a hard time sometimes not being judgmental with one group of people. Let that pause for a minute. It's those that travel. I have a hard time with bad travelers. I just have a hard time. I lose my faith and my salvation when I walk into airports. Am I the only person in this room? I just have a problem. I was traveling last week and I was preaching in Ottawa and my daughter was with me and, and I, I, I just, I, I have a, I, I struggle going through security with people that feel like they weren't prepared for security. Come on, some of you, if you don't, if, you, if that doesn't bother you, you are those people. If you're like, I don't understand what he's talking about. We're, it's you. <laughs> How do you know you walked in here like unorganized? Where are we going? You know, you're the ones that email us on Saturday. Where's church this week? We've been posting it all week. You're the same people. But those of you that are like, that frustrates me. You're my people. You go through security. See, when I, before I fly, when I wake up that morning, when I put on my clothes, I'm already thinking about security. You know what I'm talking about? When I get dressed, I'm thinking about that moment where you walk through that scanner. I'm thinking about that when I get dressed. How many buttons are on these pants? 
Come on, you wear my people. How many pockets are in these pants? What's in these pockets? These shoes. Do I wear my nice shoes that might have a steel in the bottom? Or do I put on my sneakers? I got to make sure I put my sneakers. I can't wear a jacket. If I wear a jacket, I got to take it off. If I wear a hoodie, I don't got to take it off. So I'm going to wear a hoodie so I don't need, I can be as quick. And my goal is, and it's, like, it's like checkers, in as few moves as possible, get through <laughs> woo, security. That's my goal. And some people show up to security and they're like Columbo and I just lost the whole room there. They're like, I just got one more thing. Just, they're going through their, they got trench coats on, they got vests, they got more pockets than pizza pockets and Sobeys. Come on, they got, they, they got tweezers in their pockets, they got a box full of scissors. They got water, they didn't know they had. They got water bottles, they got IV, they got, they got liquid everywhere. They got shampoo and cologne. Nothing is under 100 milliliters. And they're like, oh, I take my jacket off. And it's like a straight jacket with a vest surrounded by a coat and a parka. Like, come on. Like, and there's more straps and zippers. They got boots that lace all the way up. They're like, give me a second. I'm like, come on. I'm four hours early for my flight, but I don't want to wait. I got Nexus just so I can avoid those people. And you can spot them. It's, I have a hard time with, you know who else frustrates me? I'm just going to invent. This is my counseling, by the way, if you're wondering. Sometimes I preach, but sometimes I'm just walking through things. I have a hard time with overpackers. There's a whole bunch of you in this room. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you think, I don't know what I'm going to need for a two-day trip, so let's take everything I own. You know, it's like every bit of luggage. You're just in the air. You've seen you. You've seen you. You're like, oh, man, there's like a crisis. People are coming from other countries. No, nope, going from Sackville. They're just going to the airport. They got everything they need, everything. They got people carrying their stuff, bags. They got backpacks. They doing the penguin walk with the luggage. They pack everything. Overpackers. My kids, my kids are good travelers. Since they were little, our gifts we used to give them is, is carry-ons. And they used to have Perry the Platypus from Phineas and Ferb, true story on their carry-ons. And they had, they had now they... Two, three Christmases ago, everybody got brand new top of the line carry-ons. They got locks and they all four wheels turn. If you don't know, that's a big deal. You overpack, right? A good carry-on, right? And we have a slogan as a family. We're carry-on only. My kids don't even think about packing, about checking bags. My kids have never seen us check a bag. In fact, we were coming home from, from, from Montreal and at the gate, they're like, if you don't want to carry on, we will check it for free. And we were coming home. So I'm like, guys, let's just check our luggage. And Josh freaked out. He goes, what do you mean? You've told me that they lose luggage all the time. I'm like, that's true. But we're going home. It doesn't matter. We have more clothes at home. And he's like, I'm not letting go of my luggage. No, no, you can't make me. It, there's, true story. They're so carry on only. Carry on only. I love that our kids are good travelers. And we have this line every time we leave a hotel room. Again, I'm just letting you into my life a little bit here. But I, I, people, we, people have their clothes everywhere in hotel rooms. It's a, it looks like a bomb blew up. It looks like a junior high boy's room. Or in our case, a junior high girl's room, a high school girl's room. It's just like Maddie. We love Maddie. But like, come on, like clothes everywhere. Straighteners and makeup. And that's just mine, you know. And that's, it's everywhere. And, 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 but we have the saying as a family, before you leave the room, you say, check the drawers and behind the doors. Because have you ever left something behind a bathroom door? You hung up a sweater, hung up a hoodie, and you don't check behind the door. You think, I didn't put anything in that drawer. I never put things in the drawer. I still check the drawers. Because I'm just tired. I'm like, okay, Gideon Bible, check, right? I just know. But before we leave, it's always check the drawers and behind the doors. My kids are good, good, good travelers. Thinking about Easter, thinking about Easter, I want to think about what Jesus did after Easter, how he traveled after Easter. 
I've been obsessed all week because we built up Holy Week and you're talking about the garden and you're talking about uh, Good Friday and the crucifixion and then Silent Saturday when literally Jesus Sabbath and literally the earth was still and Jesus rested and there was nothing. But then Sunday when he rose, and I'm thinking about that all week, but then I thought, what about Monday, right? Because Mondays are a little difficult for me, somebody. So what about the Monday? What did Jesus do? You know, there's, there's, there's Good Friday, there's Silent Saturday, there's that amazing Sunday, and then is it Manic Monday? What happened Monday? What happened Monday? Started thinking about after Easter, and Jesus traveled on the cross, and from the cross, I'm in awe of when he rose, how light he packed. Please don't miss this. I'm amazed at how little baggage, how little hurts Jesus carried out of the tomb. Just think about this for a minute. I'm processing the moment and what Jesus went through, and I'm amazed when I look at his life after the cross, how little baggage he carried, how little, how few hurts he had in his life coming out. Listen, there was a lot for him to endure. There was a lot that was not okay for him that he endured that weekend of the cross. He was misunderstood, an innocent man. Misunderstood, but... but you, they say, and they accuse, he's just silent, going, you misunderstand. I need to do this, but you don't understand. You think I'm guilty of this, this, and this. I came to do nothing but help and save. Misunderstood. Underappreciated. You ever felt underappreciated? If you haven't, it's because you're not in the dream team yet. <laughs> Sometimes you just like, I don't know if they appreciate. If you don't feel unappreciated, you've not been around people or been a part of a group. It's natural. Part of families. Come on, somebody. When you're around people, you got, at some point, you're going to feel underappreciated. He's like, Jesus is like, wait a minute, for years I've been healing. I healed your kid, and I raised that person from the dead, and I, I, I helped your sight, and I helped you, and I forgave you. And he felt underappreciated. So many helping people, forgiving people, changing lives, and no one protested his crucifixion. I'm, I'm going to say it. There was no convoys. There were no sit-ins. There were no placards. No one, when he was carrying the cross, said, no, no, let's form a line. He, they're, they're not taking him to the cross. No one stepped in as a group. He healed thousands, spoke to hundreds of thousands, and no one stepped in to go, I don't think this is okay. I'll give my life to stop him from giving his. This is an innocent man, underappreciated. A part of him going, really? Did I not do something for you? I fed you, I helped you, I healed you. Betrayed, not once, but twice. Judas betrayed him for money. Peter betrayed him out of fear and protecting himself. Abandoned. The ones that didn't betray him walked away. They ghosted him. That's a new term, but it's an old principle and truth. People just walked away and said, no, nope, I'm done. He's not mine. I'm not with him. See, I'm done. I'm going back to my old job, my old life. This never happened. I was never here. Take off the merch. I don't need it. I'm gone. Gone, they ghosted him, he felt abandoned. Yet Jesus carried no unforgiveness, no attitude, and no hurt. And that is a miracle. Yes, rising from the dead, but when he comes out of that grave and the first thing he does is like, go get the boys. Why aren't they here? All right, the women follow instructions. Nothing changes. Go get the boys. I can't wait to see them. No hurt, no attitude, no baggage. I'm so thankful we don't follow a passive-aggressive Jesus. I'm like, 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 cause I have some moments where I'm passive aggressive, like passive aggressive Jesus would not be worth following. Like passive aggressive Jesus wouldn't have showed up to them in like the upper room. He wouldn't have come in behind closed doors and go, guys, come on, I'm back. Passive aggressive Jesus would have like raised up a whole bunch of new disciples from the dead. 
<laughs> like Moses, let's go. David, let's go. Jonah, come on. You smell like fish. Jonah, get over here, right? It would have been like, let's go. He would have went for brunch, like right next to where they were hiding. That's what passive aggressive Jesus would have did. They would have walked in, get, get supplies, and there's Jesus having brunch. Oh, hi, guys. Have you met Moses? I'm like, holy. Yeah, Moses, you know. Oh, my. Jesus, that's, well, okay. David, show me your sling, right? Jonah, you no, you're not having fish. Right? He would have been like, what's going on? They're sitting there with these group of guys. And Jesus, passive-aggressive Jesus would be like, guys, oh, oh, so good to see you. I wasn't even thinking about you when I picked this place right next to where you were hiding. You know, you, you, I don't know if you've ever, tried, you ever eaten here before. It's fantastic. You know, well, Peter, like, you know, you probably would deny it was the best restaurant you've ever been to. <laughs> Thomas, you wouldn't believe how good the menu is. You know, you just wouldn't believe it. Right? The rest of you just, you know, Judas, he would have dashed, dined and dashed, you know, if he was here. You know, just, you know, dying. and passive-aggressive Jesus would be like, oh, hey, guys. And just kind of move, I'm so thankful we don't serve passive-aggressive Jesus. This is the, the, the line that's been going through my head all week, is Jesus lived with scars, not wounds. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, he was, he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions, not is wounded. And so many times when you're around people, we have people that have wounds and they're bleeding over everybody. In this season, this last season that we've been through, in the last few years, there's been so many opportunities to be wounded. So many people are bleeding out. And when you talk to them, you can't help it. You get into a group, it starts with weather, it's nice to see you. And then at some point, you're like, man, there, someone's bleeding in this room because there's trauma everywhere. And it's, it's complaining about this, there's anger here, there's disappointment here, there's someone's really moody and quiet that won't open up, hoping someone's going to notice and come over and say, what's wrong? Nothing, what's wrong? Nothing, what's wrong? I'm fine. You're fine? I'm fine. They're not fine. And so many people are wounded, but I'm amazed. What, what amazes me is Jesus was, was scarred, but not wounded. Scars are different. You can live with scars. You'll die from wounds. Scars prove you've been through something. Wounds, if you don't take care of them, we have a whole bunch of nurses in our church if you, and doctors. If you don't take care of wounds, they'll get infected. You will, die. you will bleed out. Life is literally flowing out of you when you are bleeding. Scars, like, <laughs> made it through that. Made it through the, the, the time that Matt dropped the rock on my head. Right, that, made it through that. Broke my leg. Made it through that. Jesus lived with scars, not wounds. He carried our sin, not an offense. That amazes me. The more I'm around people, the more I realize myself and how I act and how people act around me, that Jesus walked out of that grave saying, I carried your sin, but I'm not carrying an offense. It's mind-blowing to me. He had so many opportunities to stay wounded. You know what? My toughest moment, you left me. I'm going on without you. I got the Holy Spirit. I got a whole bunch of new people. The rest of you, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. I'm moving on. And he chose not to live wounded. Easter is speaking to us to live with scars, not wounds. If I can be really honest, these last few years, we got some scars as a community. We got some scars as families. But you can live with scars. You can't live with wounds. 
We have so many people that are wounded. They don't eat together. They don't talk together. They don't text anymore. They refuse to like posts. They refuse to show any excitement. They refuse to gather together. They, there's people they avoid. If I walk into a grocery store, I do not want to see them. I don't want to sit next to them in church. I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to go to that restaurant. I don't want to go by their house. And we live and we're bleeding out as a society. And Jesus said, no, I died to carry your sin. Not an offense. And church, I want to remind you, there's healing for wounds today. What a shame to come through this season and bleed out afterwards. What a shame to make it through the greatest challenge of our generation and then bleed over everyone and not make it through the year. I want to help somebody today. I want to encourage you to travel light. Travel light. Carry on only. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, for I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. His burden is light. Carry on only. What's his burden? It's obedience to him. He's like, listen, this is your, if I say it, you do it. That's it. Carry that. And that's heavy enough. Wow. And some of us were carrying. You don't know what they did. You don't know what happened in that church. You don't know what happened at that workplace. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what we disagree over. Oh, my friends, I want to encourage you today. Carry... Carry on only. Travel light. Travel light. Life is wonderful, but it's too difficult. See, when you have too much luggage, you miss connections. People running through the airport, hold that flight. They got more baggage and more issues and more, more, more stuff. And so many people are missing connections. God's, God wants you to go, I got something. I need you to reach that person. Help. I got an opportunity. Listen, travel light. Carry on only. What a tragedy to miss God's timing for your life. Because we were so bogged down on what happened yesterday, we can't go to what God's calling us to today. I want to help somebody. I believe you're going to leave here lighter today. Heal the wounds. Lay down the weight. Lay down offense. Lay down unforgiveness. How do you know if you're carrying unforgiveness? Here's some symptoms today. I want you to do a little, little diagnosis today, just quietly to yourself. How do you know if you might be carrying some unforgiveness? Maybe some offense in this season. You're experiencing bursts of anger, and you're aggravated all the time. You don't know why, but you're aggravated and frustrated. You're desperate to make somebody, you, you think of a face, them understand how you feel. They don't know what, if they only knew how I felt, how, how that hurt me. You really are obsessed and you're desperate to make them understand. Some, it's you're physically sick. Not everybody that's sick is dealing with this, but one of the symptoms of unforgiveness is, can be some sickness. I know when I've gone through trauma and I've had wounds, it shows up sometimes in my stomach. I just feel upset to my stomach, some chest pains, anxiety sometimes. Sometimes that's what it can be, but some it's physically sick. Another symptom is you keeping a list of offenses. Well, that's Italian. And what, they hurt you too? Make, oh, I'm going to add that to my list. People, you're carrying someone else's offense. Well, I heard. I don't even know, but it seems like they did that. I'm just going to take that and put it to my list. And you're making a running list of everything they did or did not do. You keep replaying a scene over and over and over. It's like friends. It's more reruns. Come on, somebody. Just keep re-binging that episode over and over and over. Today, I want to help somebody, and I want to encourage you to maybe lay some things down in these next few minutes today. Lay down some baggage today. Had the opportunity to speak at the amazing helm uh, in our city and cover some of this, and so good to see some of them here today. This will be something you've heard recently, but I, I know this. We need it today to lay down some weight because God has an assignment on your life, sir. Ma'am, he has an assignment on your life and we have to travel, carry on only because if we're going to make that connection, we're going to reach that opportunity, we have to travel light. And the lightness is his yoke is easy. His burden is light. It's obedience. And we can't, 
We can't bleed over a generation. We've got to, hey, I got some scars from that person and that moment and that community and that decision, but I'm good. I'm good. Let's go. I'm traveling light. Why should you forgive today? I sense the room get quiet today because I bet a whole bunch of you have a face on your mind. Why should you forgive today? Because a skinny preacher uh, said so? No. So you're like, you're not that skinny. You know. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5 said it this way, Jesus. He said, you have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what the Old Testament said. Love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Jesus said, no, no, anybody can do the love those that are nice and hate those that are mean. But I say, I go higher. Jesus doesn't get rid of the law. He makes it even more difficult. He actually goes, no, no, it's so impossible. You need the Holy Spirit to do it. He's like, I'm asking you, don't love those that give you 20 bucks and, and let you cut in line in traffic and those that are, say nice things to you and those that repost your stories on, on social media, those that actually hurt you, persecute you, love them. Jesus said to do it. Why else should we forgive? Because we've been forgiven. Ephesians 4, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you because we've been forgiven. If you understand what you've been forgiven for, there's a lot more grace to forgive others. I find people that don't forgive easily don't understand what they've done. People that do not forgive easy have lost the concept and lost the revelation of how far they were from God and how much they have done. They forget, and they forget who they were and what they did and what God did for them. We forgive because we've been forgiven. People think it's a line when I say, if you only knew what I've ever done, thought, or said. It's not a line. I'm aware of how far I was from God. So when people far from God come into your life, it's not, whoa, look how far from God you are. You're like, man, I know, I've been there. But listen, God is good. He loves you to meet you right where you are, but he will not leave you where he found you. You always know when someone's encountered uh, the, the carry-on only Jesus, the, the scarred Jesus, because they never leave the same. He always brings you higher. We've been forgiven. Why else should we forgive? Because it's linked to our forgiveness. This is a passage I wish was not in the Bible I'm about to read. There's a few passages in the Bible that are really difficult for me. I wish I could just rip it out, but we don't do that. Because I've learned, it's like a recipe. You're like, I don't, what is baking soda do? Let's just get rid of that. And then at the end of it, you're like, this doesn't taste good or work. And we have so many churches ripping things out going, that doesn't apply. That's not really relevant. That doesn't work. This is a part I wish wasn't in the Bible. It really, I do. I wish it wasn't there. Why should we forgive? Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I hate that passage. You can interpret it, you can change it, change the translation. I don't know how else to read that. That if I don't, the only thing stopping God from forgiving you is you. Like, I need forgiveness. Forgiveness wasn't an event, it's a lifestyle. It wasn't, I lifted my hand in church, okay, I'm good now. I need forgiveness every single day, and if I don't forgive them, you, her, if I don't forgive that moment, the Bible, I, what else do I do to interpret that? That he will not forgive me. I know this, I need forgiveness. People say, what's your opinion on end times, and what do you thought about, about raptures and, and revelation? And I say the same thing every time. I went for my credentials with the, with the Pentecostal assemblies, and this question came up, and I said this answer, and they laughed, and I didn't. They said, what's your view on the end times? And I said, I'm just trying to make it till Friday. And they laughed and I didn't. Because I'm actually, the truth, I don't know exactly what's going to happen at the end. I'm just trying to make today, going, God, forgive me for my sin, as I forgive those who trespass against me. And it's linked. It's linked. What is forgiveness? 
Let me tell you what it's not. It's not forgetting. You ever heard that saying, forgive and forget? That's impossible. It's not forgetting. It's not forgetting. It's not pretending it didn't happen. It's all good. It's all good. No, no, it's all good. No, that's not forgiving. It's not condoning or approving it. But, you, but, but Pastor Mike, you don't even know. The age I was, what they did, like, like come on. Like, you can talk about people saying things about you on Facebook, but like, you don't even know the seriousness of what I'm dealing with. Forgiveness is not condoning. It's not pretending. It's not approving. It's not allowing the hurting of you to continue at their hands, whether verbally, physically, sexually. It's not. It's not saying, well, I just forgive, so just keep doing what you want. It's not allowing it. It's not giving them access to your life and avoiding putting up healthy boundaries. Some of you need to know this. It's okay to unfollow some people on social media, and it's okay to unfollow some people in real life. It's okay to leave churches. It's okay to leave businesses. It's okay to say, I forgive you in relationships, but I need some boundaries because you don't respect where I'm my body. You don't respect my mind, my time. You don't respect my journey. And I just need to put up some boundaries. I forgive you, but I'm removing access to my life. Some of you need to unfollow a whole bunch of people online. You're too scared. They're going to think I'm offended. Listen, protect your boundaries. Forgiveness is not refusing to put up boundaries. It's okay to unfollow some people. I'm going to go check. I bet my Instagram followers are going to go down within about a half hour. <laughs> it's okay. Forgiving is not forgetting. Put up some ba- There's some people I love and I forgive, but they don't have access to my life anymore. I love you from a distance. Come on. The prophet Midler said, from a distance. <laughs> like, only if you're 50 did you get that. What is what, forgiveness? Forgiveness isn't fair. Forgiveness is not fair. It's fair to pay them back with justice. It's fair, the Bible, you know, it says, you know, people say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, pain for pain. That's what's fair. You want to hurt people who hurt people you love. That's fair. Forgiveness is not fair. And I'm so thankful God is not fair with me. He's just, but he's not fair. I'm thankful I don't get what I deserve. So thankful. We don't deserve you as a church. We don't. Even the quiet ones, we're even thankful for you. We don't deserve you. Psalm 103, he does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those, his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. I'm so thankful that he forgives me and doesn't give me what I deserve. I'm so thankful. What is forgiveness? It's giving others what God gave you. We are most like God when we forgive. You want to act like God? Forgive somebody. You want to act holy? It's not about the spiritual gifts that we believe that. We just taught on it. You want to to show off how much God you have? Forgive. You're the most like God when you're forgiving somebody. God so loved the world, he gave, he forgave. You're most like Jesus when you forgive. Undeserved forgiveness is the gospel. If you're wondering what the gospel is, it's undeserved forgiveness. It's recognizing we're wrong, living in sin. Some people don't even want to admit they live in sin. That's not the gospel. That's a community. That's a club. Some people are like, I want to be a part of this. Listen, you need to understand, when you have a revelation of how far from God you are, but an undeserved forgiveness is the gospel, both received and given. That's the way this works. Is I received undeserved forgiveness, and then I give undeserved forgiveness. Our marriage wouldn't work if it wasn't a bunch of forgiving people in a relationship. That's how marriages work. Don't I forgive you for forgetting that important date. I forgive you for not getting that done. I forgive you for not listening to me for the 15th time. Forgiveness. Listen, undeserved, uh, undeserved forgiveness is the gospel. And we all want to receive it, but it doesn't stop there. We have to give it. That's what forgiveness is. 
What is forgiveness? It's healing for you. This is important. I don't get time to stop here today. But forgiving others heals you. It actually sets you free. Free from the rehearsal of hurt. Free from the weight of their choice. Proverbs 14.30 A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Do you actually understand what you're feeling emotionally and can actually affect you physically? And forgiveness actually brings health back to your body. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting everyone else to die. It's like going, yeah, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. Yeah, that's awful. I get this poison. You're horrible people. Unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. You know what's annoying? When someone doesn't even know they offended you or hurt you and they're nice to you and they act like nothing happened and they're still having coffee and they're still waking up and they're still posting pictures of fireworks that no one actually looks at. They're still having sunrise. You're like, how dare you not understand how much I think about what you did? So annoying, isn't it? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting others to die. Forgiveness doesn't change the past. It doesn't. What, doesn't, what happened to you? It doesn't change it, but it changes your future. How do you forgive? I'm almost done. Worship team, come on back. How do you forgive? I'm so thankful you asked today. Because some of you walked in here feeling really under and heavy today. And if Jesus can carry the cross, but not an attitude, if Jesus can deal with betrayal, denial, if he can deal with, with uh, misunderstanding, if he can deal with unappreciative, if he can deal with everything, there's hope for me going, if Jesus did it, I, I, I can follow him. He's a scarred Messiah, not a wounded Messiah. He traveled light. How do you forgive? Number one, decide to forgive. It's just a choice. It's not an easy choice, but it's a choice. Deuteronomy 30 says, Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. All that you would choose life. Here's a test, life or death. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Choose life. Choose, choose life. Choose life. How do you forgive? You pray for them. That's a hard one, isn't it? Let me tell you what you pray for them for. How do you pray? What do you pray? Pray for more of God in their life. Somebody like, I can't pray for them to be blessed. I can't pray for a new job. I can't pray for better relationships. No, no, just pray for more of God in their life. Trust me, God will bring everything they need. Conviction, he'll bring repentance. He'll also bring blessing and health. Just pray, God, I pray more of you in their life because God will do what he does. And what he does is convict and build and change. Pray for them. Some of you today, in a moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you quietly in your own mind, there's a face attached to this sermon that you're carrying today. I don't care how much you can bench. I don't care how much, how fit you are. I don't care what, how, what your physical appearance or strength is. You're not meant to carry all these faces and relationships and pain on your life. I don't lay it down. You need to pray for them. How else do you forgive them? You speak well of them, not bad of them. You say, I'm, I'm done talking about that situation. That I'm done. I'm done subtweeting. I'm, so, I'm done subposting. I'm done passive aggressive. I'm done. I'm done. I've said this before, but we had a pastor in this country speak really badly of the church. Just didn't like our flags, didn't like our logo, didn't like our, our merch, didn't like our coffee. Who doesn't like coffee? You know they're far from God. He wrote a big blog about it. Big blog about it. I pull in, I see all these flags so you can find the building. Marco, Polo, pull, there was coffee, right? Because God forbid we're caffeinated. Logo was everywhere and just tore our church apart and someone showed this to me. I read it. I was hurt because this pastor, we had helped with advice. He asked advice. How do you run a cafe? And I just decided I'm going to forgive them. 
I'm not gonna talk badly about them. I won't say their name, I don't talk about it anymore. In fact, I felt convicted and me and Nancy decided we sent them as a church to their church because they were struggling. We sent them a check for $500. But I'm not fully saved, so I put it in a Nova envelope with a big logo on the front. <laughs> it's a true story, isn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> if you're watching, I love you. <laughs> that actually happened. But I, just, I decided not to, sp to speak well of them. They're trying really hard. They're really faithful what they do. They have some good people. They're trying the best to raise their kids and navigate all this. Church work is difficult and I speak well of them. How else do you forgive you? Don't expect a feeling to change. If I could just speak to all ages, it's not a, this is not a millennial thing or a younger person. This is a people thing. God isn't expecting me to feel different. Obey God and believe he will help your feelings. The power follows your obedience not your feelings. We say it all the time, right feelings lead to right choices. Sorry, right choices lead to right emotions. If you make the right choice, like today, a whole bunch of us decided to get up early. It was the right, we didn't feel like getting up. We got up to come to church and find the school in one-way streets. Your emotions follow your choices. If you're waiting for the right emotion, you won't stay married, you won't stay in your job, you won't stay in high school, you won't stay in the church, you won't. If you haven't been offended by a message yet, it means you're new. I offend myself almost weekly. Why did you say, don't I? Why did I say that? I'm an idiot. The answer's like, well, <laughs> we're gonna send you a, a check with a logo on it, Mike. You know, don't expect your feeling to change. Today, as we close, I wanna remind you that forgiveness won't change the past, but it will change your future. Here's what I want you to do. I'm not gonna read the verse, but Jesus says in Revelation, he knocks at the door of your heart. Here's what I hear him saying today. Check the drawers and behind the doors. You got any baggage? You got any stuff that shouldn't be there? Listen, we gotta make a connection. We got stuff we gotta do, there's opportunities. Worship team, there's opportunities to lead people into worship. Families, there's opportunity to raise your kids. There's businesses to be started. Relationships to be uh, started. There are uh, um, 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 people in need to help. There are moments. Listen, we got to go. Travel life. But listen, before we do this, check the drawers and behind the doors. I'm knocking. Jesus is knocking. He's talking to the church when he knocks. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Check your heart. Check every cave, cave every every level, every drawer, every every possibility. Check, check the drawers and behind the doors before we go. Travel life. Jesus said, my burden is light. Carry on only today. Me and my daughter were in Ottawa and I love it. We just, we, we roll out. We I, look, I like looking at the conveyor belt. I've, I haven't gone to one of those in years. Just walk right by. Everybody's like, have you seen my bag? I'm like, nope. I got an Uber to catch. My wife is waiting for me in the car. We got a, I got Starbucks to have. I got opportunities to have. I got to go. Why? Because I travel light. Can I encourage you today? As we're coming through this pandemic, God has an opportunity for us as a church to make a difference as a people far from God that need to know that he forgives because he's forgiven us. And some of you, you, this place has so many seats in here, but there's a whole bunch more people in here that you carried in and they're not welcome back at church again. If they want to walk in on their own, amazing, but you can't carry them anymore. You got to lay it down. Some of you need to lay down those hurts. With every face in this place, can we just bow our head for a moment? We're going to sing this song in a moment, Allie. We'll sing this song. I want to lead you in a prayer of forgiveness. Some of you are like, I'm not ready. Okay. But you're tired, aren't you? 
You wake up tired, go to bed tired. Your mind is racing with scenarios and conversations. If they said, if they text, I'll say this. If I run into them, I'll say that. And they need to know, and you're exhausted. You're exhausted. And there's opportunities right in front of you to make a difference. And you don't even see it because you're so bogged down trying to carry the weight that you're missing the gate of your next opportunity and next connection. I say, oh, check the drawers and behind the doors. Let's clean it all out right now so we can go what God has for us. If you say, Mike, there's someone in my life. There's, an, there's a season, there's a situation, there's a relationship. I just want you to close your eyes. I want to lead you in a prayer. I just want you to pray it with me and believe today you're going to walk out of here lighter. You ready? It's a new day. If Jesus can carry a cross but not an offense, we can do the same. It's not easy, but it's right. Can't change your past, but your future demands and is worth you coming in light, obedient, and ready to go. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your conviction. I believe you're speaking to so many in this room, so many online right now. God, right now, I just bring up those faces of that group, that leader, that follower, that relationship, that person, that coworker, that friend, that stranger. And God, right now, we decide to let them go. God, I'm asking right now that you would start to heal wounds. I pray even right now that by your stripes, we are healed. I pray because you suffered, we don't have to. Because you were wounded, we don't have to live wounded. I pray right now for hearts to heal. I pray for emotions to heal. I pray for trauma to start to dissipate. Father, we don't forget. We, Father, help us with boundaries and decisions and help us with health and counseling and, 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 and processing. But God, we don't want to carry this any more. We lay it down. Father, help us lay it down. And right now, I just want to, I want you to picture your church is laying, taking off like a heavy backpack, a big piece of luggage that is too heavy and doesn't fit, and just laying it down right now at the cross. Just picture laying it down. Jesus, we give you our pain. We give you this hurt. We give you these moments. Would you rush in right now and fill us with love and peace and strength? In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.